So this morning, though, we're going to continue our study through Paul's letter to the Colossians. We are now in Colossians chapter 3. We're covering verses 5 through 17. And the title of this morning's message is Put Off, Put On. So very simple, uh, put off, put on. Hopefully you remember that because this is exactly what we're going to see uh, this morning as we study these uh, verses within Colossians chapter 3. So let's begin by reading uh, in that uh, what the Apostle Paul writes in verse 5 of chapter 3. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Oh, Father, may we be truly given to this, understanding what it is that brings dishonor to you in how it is that we can honor and glorify you. Help us to understand that the old garments that we once wore, Father, the the old self, the old person, is not worth continuing in because it brings shame and dishonor. Lord, it's behavior unbecoming of a follower of Jesus Christ. And rather, Lord, teach us and help us to understand with full knowledge and understanding That in Christ we are to put on righteousness, that which aligns with your character, your nature. That we would glorify you and bless you. And with that, stir one another up to love and good works. That we would encourage one another to do those things which also honor and bless you. Be with us this morning, Father, I pray. Teach us by your spirit. May you give us understanding. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, practical Christian living is what we're looking at this morning. And practical Christian living is based on knowing and understanding sound biblical theological truth. In other words, your life should reflect the truth of the Bible. 
In the first two chapters, the Apostle Paul explained sound theological truth to stop the heresies that the Colossians had been exposed to and were in danger of giving in to if they were, were not corrected and explain how it was that they were false. This is pretty much what the church should do today. Uh, not so much just tickle the ear, but rather warn and explain why it is that those things that are sometimes coming into and infiltrate the church are harmful. And we ought to warn one another. How? By explaining the truth of God's word. This is what's right and that's why this is wrong. This is sound doctrine and this is false doctrine. And so we explain those things. Now, it was time for them to understand how to then live. With all this explained, it was now time for them to understand how to then live according to what they know and understand to be true, according to God and found in Scripture. So that's why the Apostle Paul, he, he spent the first, through chap, the first two chapters of Colossians explaining sound theology to them. And then, then now... Now it was time. Now it's practical living. How, how is it that we are to apply these truths to our lives and reflect that which we've come to know? For us today, it's, it's simple. It's coming down to this. Knowing how to live the Bible. Simple as that. We ought to know how to live the Bible. Now, the Apostle Paul also explained what won't get you anywhere, right? He explained those things. Paul had pointed out what was not to be practiced for the purpose of achieving a higher degree of holiness, of righteousness, like the strict denial of physical and psychological desires. In other words, asceticism is a word that was used there by the Apostle Paul. A severe self-discipline or the observance of certain festivals or worshiping of angels, we saw that, or following a strict diet or even the observance of a Sabbath. That won't make you more holy or more righteous before a holy and righteous God. None of that will. And so he explained that. If you hear those things, then immediately you should pay attention, right? And, And that's what we ought to get to, to the point to where when we hear those things being taught, those things being passed along from one to another. Diet, a certain day, festivals. This is what we ought to do in order to know salvation, in order to know righteousness and holiness. We know, huh, that's not what the Apostle Paul explained in his letter to the Colossians. So we, we learn that. Our holiness is not achieved in what we do, but rather in whom we abide. Not our holiness, but His holiness. And in Christ we are justified by faith. And, and we are in right standing, forgiven, not guilty, before a holy and righteous God. But it wasn't our doing. It was, it was the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. We can't clean ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves from our unrighteousness, our sin. Only Jesus is able to do that. Thank God for that. 
Therefore, since we've come to know that these things that the Colossians were being told by false teachers would make them more holy were actually empty, it was false, it was vain, it was unbiblical, theologically unsound, then they, as we are today, were encouraged to simply look to Jesus Christ to grow in maturity and strength as a Christian. Now, with this understanding, how then should we live? That's the question that we ought to be asking ourselves every day. How then are we to respond to that which we have come to know? The process as we know it is every day, keep this in your mind, we put off and we put on. It's simple, isn't it? And yet, it requires a constant and continuous daily application every single day conscientiously thinking about and and pretty soon those things as we repeat them what happens they become habit no they become this this is just who i am this is not something i need to think about it's just automatically happening the more we do it the 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 more just it just becomes part of us this is who we are we're constantly thinking about this We are to put off or put to death the things that are of the world, the flesh, and natural to fallen and sinful man. And we are to put on or be clothed with certain characteristics and actions that reflect a life that is truly new in Christ. So it's the putting off the old man, the world, the flesh, that which comes from Satan himself, and rather put on those things, those characteristics that belong to Christ as we abide in him. And so we learn how to live practically as a Christian by reading and studying the word. And by doing so, we learn what is not of God and what is of God, what would glorify him and what would dishonor him. We learn those things by going through the word of God. Second Corinthians 517 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and the old man has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We need to always keep that in mind. Listen, the old man, he's dead. He's dead. The new man, oh, the Lord has given us a new life, a new heart. One that's, that has a desire for him, the things of him, to glorify him, to bless him. And so because you have died, the old man, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, put off the old man and put on the new man in Christ. So let's see what we have here in putting off. First, because first of all, we have to put off. We can't put on. We, we can't just cover that which is old. We need, we need to understand what, what is this, this putting off. It's kind of like clothing. You don't want to. You have these old, stinky, soiled garments. If you were to put on, a, oh, this is a nice coat here, right? To put this on, to put on a tie, you would just be... As I've said before, you know, well, number one, you'd be covering that which is filth. And you'd be doing it in your own strength. But it'd be the equivalent of putting lipstick on a pig. Right? It's still a pig. You'd just be dressing it up. And pretty soon, that lipstick wears off and you realize, oh, (laughs) it's a pig and it has been all along. Sometimes we make every attempt to just clothe the old man. And we can't do that. We can't do that because pretty soon that, that old man comes through. It comes to the surface and he's still there. So we need to put it off. Let's learn what that means. Now, as a Christian, 
Christ being your life, then these things are to be discarded, put away. What are they? Well, look again with me at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These things need to be put off like an old garment that we realize, again, is polluted, dirty, and sinky that needs to be discarded, taken off, completely taken off. But even more than just being put off, as if we were subduing this old nature, we are to rather put to death the old nature. Put to death completely. Sometimes we we toy with the old nature. We can't toy with the old nature and think that we're going to get away with it. No, it, it's, it'll, it'll get you in the end. It will. Luke 14, 27, Jesus said this, and keep that in mind. We are to put to death the old nature. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Could Jesus be any clearer than that? Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. As a, disciple, as a disciple, we are followers and students of Jesus Christ. One that refuses to learn to follow what the teacher and master is teaching is no disciple at all. And I'm going to repeat that. One that refuses to learn to follow what the teacher and master is teaching is no disciple at all. Not at all. And these are the things that we are to put to death. You see, as we bear our own cross, and I believe I mentioned it perhaps last Sunday, that bearing our own cross is not bearing the burdens that we're going through. It doesn't matter. You can say health. You can say marital problems. You can say relational problems, work problems, finance problems, whatever. That is not the cross that you're bearing. I'm sorry. To put that away is just simply a response to the, the love of Christ that he first demonstrated to us. The cross that he's, he's calling for us to pick up and bear is the death to the old person. To remember that. To deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. Sometimes we consider our burdens so highly that we really think highly of ourselves because we're carrying these burdens for the sake of Christ. No, he carried our burdens for his own sake and for our own sake. That he may be glorified. That we may know salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. These are the things we ought to put to death. Sexual immorality. I'll make it very clear. Any intercourse outside of marriage. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Moral impurity as related to sexual sin. Immorality, filthiness, more general, this is more general, and it includes what fornication, uh, fornication or the previous, or actually fornication, the previous word, and what it covers. So it's more general. So in case you miss the the, uh, specific nature of the first word, now this word just covers everything that has to do with sexual immorality and its thoughts and its implications and everything outside of it. Passion, let's go take it a step further. 
Strong physical desires of a sexual nature. Passion, lust, lustful desire. This is, this is the old man. Put these things away. And listen, do we battle with those things? Yes. That is not denied. Let's go ahead. We, we need to acknowledge those things. At the same time, we need to understand that that's the old man. That's the old man, the man that needs to con- consistently and continuously be put on the cross. Just go, listen, you're dead with Christ. I am in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. That's all a lie. That's not what I am to give myself to. I'm not to give in to that. But continually practice purity and holiness and righteousness before a holy and righteous God. Evil desire. This is a harmful or damaging desire. As you consider those desires that you have, the passions that you have, are they harmful? Are they damaging? Are they destructive? Those are the things, again, of the old man. We need to put those things off. We need to pin them up on the cross with Christ. They're, they're dead. They're no longer uh, wielding any power over me whatsoever. Covetousness. And, and this just go, goes down the path. It, like a, it, gets from very specific, it goes from very specific to pretty broad. Covetousness, a desire to have something for oneself... And when we have one, uh, oh, we want more. Oh, we, wa- we want more. Uh, it's a craving, a passionate desire. Oh, we have our own, but I, I want more. Can I have more? Never satisfied, never content. So these are the things that we need to submit to the Lord and give to Him. If these are not put to death in our lives, then they... Uh, basically make us, or then what we're doing is making them out to be deity. We're making them out to be the little gods in our lives. Well, the gods we worship over God, the Lord Almighty. And that's called, as the Apostle Paul addressed, idolatry. So we refuse to deal with those things. We refuse to give them to the Lord. And, and therefore they become to us the practice of idolatry. It's, it's a God that we've basically created in our own image. The manner in which we would like to worship, that is the God that we raise up in our own lives. And that's idolatry. Whatever we allow to live may end up reigning in our lives. Whatever we allow to live in our lives, to exist in our lives, at some point, can and most often will end up reigning in our lives. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 and 28 says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Uh, very easy questions to answer, right? Have you ever tried that? Hold it and go. Just hug it. See what happens. And this is the same thing that we're seeing here. You you can't play with these things. The things listed here by Paul are things of the world, the flesh, Satan, and not of God. So they are to be put to death in order to know an abundant life in Christ. Verse 6 says, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And this tells us that because of these, God's wrath is coming. In other words, these things invite God's judgment. 
and he will judge these things. They are condemning and will bring about destruction and eventually death. Death spiritually and death presently in life to many things and to many relationships. That's what this will cause. A death, destruction, decay. And so we have this one. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. The judgment of God. These things invite God's judgment. And verse 7 says, In these you two once walked when you were living in them. And Paul knew, hey, listen, the Colossians were no, no saints before. They were ignorant of the truth. And so were we. So were we. You need to remember that. At some point, we were ignorant of the truth of God's word. But now, as, we, as we're exposed to God's truth, as we come to understand God's truth, we're no longer ignorant. But Paul knew that they once lived in ignorance. They, they lived in all of this. This is the past, not the present. It's when they did not know better and were ignorant. But now you're not, is what the Apostle Paul is telling them. At this time, you're, you can't plead ignorance. You can't. You know the truth. Walk in the truth. Such is the case with us today. We may have once lived this way. Okay. All right. But that's the past and not the present for us. So we always need to keep in mind that that was back then. Now we ought to know better. You know, uh, how many of you are parents? After a while, they, you know, you teach them what's right, what's wrong, and they do need to be taught that, right? And, and at some point, this comes out of our mouths. You know better. Doesn't it? Parents, help me out here. Yeah? Amen? Dude, you, you know better. You knew better, and you did it anyway. Don't we? Because we expect them to know and therefore do what is right. It's no different for you and I as we're Christ followers. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. He's our Lord. He is our teacher. He is our Savior. He is our God. And so at some point, the Lord, as we go through the word, he tells us, you know better. You knew better. Now correct that. Oh, I'm so glad we have a, a verse like 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God gives us a way in which we can be made right with him in a moment. As soon as we humble ourselves before a holy and righteous God and we confess our sins, we agree with him. That, that was sin, Lord. Please forgive me. And he says, yes. And we, we turn from that sin and we, we put off that which is not of God. He forgives us. But now, oh, but now, verse 8 says, But now you must put them all away. You must put them all away. What are these things that we ought to put away? Well, it's anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Put away the things of children. Uh, the things of, of ignorance, of the, 
of the flesh, of the world. Put those things away. Put those things away. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Men, we are to man up. Women, you are to women up. Act like women. Act like men. Mature in the Lord. Put away the childish things. At some point, okay, we were all children. We all were in that, the world. But at this point, right now, you can't claim that. We can't. We ought to walk maturely before the Lord. And so we put away those things. Those child, I gave up childish ways. So put these things away. And these are the things we ought to put away. The ones we read, this list in verses 8 and 9. Do you regard these? Let me ask you this. Do you regard these as little sins? Perhaps, perhaps as a book was written, it, the book is titled Respectable Sins by a man by the name, I believe, Jeff Bridges. Respectable Sins. And, and of course... It's sarcasm. The, the, the title of the book is, is sarcasm because they're not respectable sins. They're sins, period. They're listed here. It's in Scripture, and that's why we ought to always go back to Scripture. What sin? It's right there, right in front of us, right there. Let's go through because these are not respectable sins. They're not little sins uh, because we, we end up, what we try and do is justify these things when confronted with them. That's what we do. As if it was okay to hold on to them beyond being confronted with them. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just the, the nature of a, a fallen and a prideful heart. Well, I want to justify why it is that I, I want to just remain in this place of being angry and bitter. And, you know, I don't know, all these things. It is, isn't it? Come on, confess. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Anger. Oh. You don't have to say it, but how, how do you justify anger? It's my upbringing. Have you heard that? You're, yeah? You guys still with me? You guys are? All right. Okay. You guys, you guys can, like, you know, chime in. What is it? It's your, it's your upbringing? Yeah, it's your culture. Yeah, it's my, there you go. Culture. It's my culture. Oh, isn't that funny? It's because I'm Irish. <laughs> right? Not me, but... No. And, and, and then the Germans say, it's because I'm German. Oh, it's, it's because... Oh, you, you know that, that passionate Hispanic blood. It's like, so then everyone has anger problems? Right? And it's okay. Ah... It's all kinds of stuff that we can bring up. James 1.20 says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. A person's spiritual strength is demonstrated by his control in matters pertaining to the flesh. The eyes, thoughts, and words of a person are to be given to the Lord and bridled to go wherever he guides. Not us, but him. Anger, fury, 
This is what I mean, we're going through these words. So anger, equivalent to, to fury, fury. Wrath, intense anger. In other words, outbursts. Malice, a feeling of hostility and strong dislike. Desiring to do harm. Slander. Well, this is a good one. Saying things against someone that harms or injures their reputation. Obscene talk. Vulgar. Obscene speech. Um, dirty talk. Not okay. None of those things. Not okay. I just, we just, ha- we have them right there. I just described them. I addressed them. I defined them according to the original words that are used in the Bible, according to the Greek. Don't lie to each other. Uh, in case you don't know what lying is, you don't communicate what is false with the intent to mislead. You do not communicate what is false with the intent to mislead. These are the things that are be taken, to be taken off. Garments are soiled, they're stinky. They're, not, they're, they're, they're garments unbecoming of a Christian. They're to be taken off. Like an old dirty robe or a set of clothing. And in their place you are to put on the new self and its practices. Renewed in knowledge. Verse 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Renewed in knowledge. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There is no mystical way of knowing what is appropriate and right to live out as a Christian. Don't take someone else's word for it. See it for yourself in the Bible. And that's why we always have to go back to the Bible. We, have to, we, have to, we do have to read it to know. It's like when men, in order to know how to put something together, for the most part, you have to read the instructions, don't we? Okay, we, we just do. That's why we have extra parts left over. We, we, di- we didn't really know. We, we wanted our woman to, you know, our, our bride to know, hey, we, we got it all figured out. They just shake their heads. Okay, here we go again. You have to read the Bible in, in order to know how it all comes together. This is the way in which we learn how to reflect the nature of Christ, the image of the one in whom we, we were created. This is how we come to know. And by the way, this applies to all. In verse 11, this, this applies to everyone. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This applies to everyone. Hey, listen, we're saved the same way, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. And by the way, also... What is required of you is the same. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It's true of all. Salvation, sanctification, and what is expected of the person who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's all, it all applies the same. So we've learned what to put off or disrobe of in our lives. Now let's see what we are to put on. 
Verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. This is what we are to put on. As we are renewed in knowledge, as Christians with new desires toward God, we should be hungry to know what God has to say. We desire to read God's word and understand it. I remember when I first came to Christ, I started reading God's word and I couldn't get enough of it. That should be something that marks the Christian, the new believer. Do you have no desire for God's word? Is it okay for you to set it off to the side and not read it at all? There's something wrong then. I have to tell you, brother, sister, perhaps you've lost your first love. Return to it. Ask God to forgive you, fill you with His Spirit, and give you that desire to read His Word, to sit with Him and and hear from Him, directly from His Word. And, we desire, and when we desire these things, and when we do, we come across things like this that makes it plain and understandable. Then we are faced with the decision to take heed and apply it or not. Here are the garments we are to put on as Christians. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. God has chosen us and chosen us to be set apart unto him and apart from the world. We are indeed special in so many ways. And these are the things that we just read that we are to put on. Number one, they're relational. These cannot be exercised and lived out if there is aught with one another. It's impossible. Relational, you can't, you can't live these out if there is aught with another person. Unresolved offenses, resentment, bitterness, jealousies, impossible. This is why it's critical that we reconcile quickly, quickly. With one another, and not allow offenses to fester and infect relationships that should reflect the love of God. That's what we are to do. That's what we're commanded to do. John thirteen thirty five. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Tender hearted, ah, oh, tender hearted, kind toward one another, humble. Oh, considering others more than self. Meek. It's a gentleness toward one another. It's amazing that sometimes we see the meek, the humble, the tender-hearted as weak. It's quite the opposite. Oh, there's such strength in people like that. You see, because they're able to do that and not be destroyed when they don't get the accolades, when they don't get recognized, when there's nothing coming their way. They have incredible strength in the Lord, knowing that in Him they have this right standing. And it's okay. It's all right. That's what this, uh, this, this is what this reflects, is that kind of strength in the Lord. Patient. How about patience? How many, how many of us pray, for, Lord, give me more patience. Oh, He'll give you stuff to show you. You don't have any patience. Really, that's what it... You know, when we're tested in these areas... It's not anything that we're revealing to God. It's not like God's like, oh my goodness. I didn't know that about you. You get angry really fast. You are so impatient. I never knew that about you. He doesn't say that. 
What it is, is for your own good. It comes to the surface, and we ought to acknowledge it. Oh, I'm not patient. Patience is an emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune without complaint or irritation. Right? Emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune without complaint or irritation. You can be irritated just reading that. It's like, might be complaining already. Enduring difficulties with others is to bear with one another. As we read through, I'm just explaining these things. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you, this is conditional, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean my forgiveness is conditional on whether I forgive others or not? That's not what I'm saying. That's what Jesus said right here. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. That's why it's good to bring a pen, pencil, something to write on. And, and just jot down, man, I have to look at that again. Is that right in context? Always, always check that. You check it out. If it's not in context, come back and tell me. And then I'll correct it in front of the whole church. But that's what this says. In context. Why is it that the Lord wouldn't forgive us if we don't forgive others? It's simple. Because you remain disobedient. That's why. He's given you a command to forgive. And you've refused to do that. You remain in your sin. You remain in your sin. That's why. Jot this down. We don't have time to go into it. But please read Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Please. That's actually an example of this very thing. This unforgiving, uh, just selfish uh, Servant, one who owed a lot was forgiven, and yet he went and required it of someone who owed him much less. Oh, it's time to pay up. He shouldn't have done that. It's an example of this. So please go back and read that. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Christ has forgiven you of all. How can we not forgive as he has? How can we not? We should desire to bless and glorify him. Verse 14. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The outer garment that covers everything is love, a sacrificial love. Without love, all of these things can be uh, distorted. But with love, we bring all of these things into our understanding that causes harmony with others and glorifies God. That's, that's what happens. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1-3, through 3, I encourage you to read the whole thing. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing, nothing at all. So love brings it all together. And it is to be the outer garment that just harmonizes everything. You know, to hear um, a nice harmony. 
Oh, it's just beautiful. And then that's how it is when we express our love toward one another. In this manner, to the Lord, it's, oh, it's sweet. It's a sweet sound. It's a sweet sound. In verse 15, <clears throat> verse 15 says, uh, <clears throat> And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The Jesus people community. That's what we are. Is to reflect God's peace and thanksgiving. Not talking. This is not in reference to the individual. It's making reference to the church, the body. This is what we ought to reflect. Peace amongst each other and thankfulness. That's what we ought to reflect. The church, the local fellowship. You were called a one body, not a splintered body. We are to behave and move as one body here. Jot down Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through, 11 through 16. And see how it is that the body is to come together and all serve together. Each one has a purpose. If we put off and put on, then we've covered, then that, uh, we're, we're covered rightly. And it will produce the fruit of peace and thanksgiving. Unified with one mind and spirit in Christ. And then verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, I have to say that I have not heard any of you do that. Do you understand what this this is this is not singing like these psalms and hymns and all like have you heard that in any church all of a sudden someone just breaks out in a psalm a hymn it's like whoa he's singing he's serenading that person and you know no that that's not what this is that's not the intention of this so we need to understand what is it that the apostle paul is saying here the community of Christ should constantly recognize the reason for its existence by having a continual concern for the gospel message and the impact or conclusions it should have within the people, the church, the congregation. The teaching and admonishing that comes should be in all wisdom and from the word of God. The freedom of the word is to determine the actions, motivations, and decisions of the church. This, like peace, is a measure of the church life, of the life that we have or it does not have. Is it healthy? Is it right? According to God's word? Spontaneous singing with thankfulness. Does it come from knowing God's word? Actually, I have heard you. And where we normally bring it to is at the beginning of of our service and at the end we're singing these psalms and hymns and oh, these it, it should come out of the abundance of the heart that's where it comes let, let me tell you worship is is not extra time to get here in the morning i didn't hear one amen <laughs> worship is not 
It's not. I tell you, church, you you gotta you gotta get here on time. Early. Because worship. You you should be to the point to where you can't wait to get here. Oh man, I I don't want to miss a thing. I'm right here from the very beginning. I'm just singing my heart out to God. Why? Because it's just it's just an outpouring. This whole week, yeah, I know I've dealt with stuff. Yeah, and everyone else too. But we know God's faithfulness. No, he's, he's awesome, and I can't wait to sing his praises. Uh, we, we are blessed with a worship team that writes these songs and puts them together. This worship unto the Lord. Let's come together and sing as one voice to God, giving and singing his praises, being thankful. Because as the word of God dwells in us richly, what comes out of the mouth comes from the abundance of the heart. 12, uh, Matthew twelve thirty four. Out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. It just comes out. Um, these are the things to put off and the things to put on. As Christians, let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Put off and put on. So, verse 17, and we'll close. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Remember this. Whatever you say and do, say and do it in glory and honor of Jesus Christ. And by that we give thanks to God the Father for the love that he demonstrated to us by sending the Son to die on the cross for us and in our place and offer us, and, and through, so, through that, offers to us forgiveness of our sins, salvation, and the hope of heaven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is evidence of the new man, whose clothed rightly is what we learned. Knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we put off the old, and we put on the new. Amen. Father, forgive us. Uh, just as we went through those lists here and quite quickly. We know that we've fallen short. We understand that, Lord. But thank you, Lord, that you are patient with us for one of those attributes, one of those characteristics of reflecting who you are in our lives is patience. So thank you for being patient with us. We come to you right now recognizing that this is, this is all a surrender. It's not like we're going to do things, these things in our own effort. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lead us by your spirit. Guide and direct us, Lord, into all truth. Help us to understand how to apply these things to our lives, simply uh, to receive them. Lord, knowing that the, the old man in its nature has been crucified with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now we abide in Christ, and therefore we are to produce the fruit of righteousness that comes from knowing you and abiding in you. Let us be fruitful as Christians, Lord. Producing in our lives things that are becoming of a Christian, things that bless and glorify you. I pray, the Lord, that you would help us. And I pray if anyone here does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. This moment, Lord, that you would stir in their hearts 
that they would cry out to you and ask for forgiveness. And know that by believing on the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, that salvation comes for there's no salvation, there's uh, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And your word tells us if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Lord, I hope that you, at this moment, hear some cries to you just asking for forgiveness and asking you to be Lord and Savior. That they too would know a new desire, a new heart, and a new man in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.